She deserves a happy ending, and I'm sure I hope she may have it. Poor lady. Tomorrow at the usual time, meaning five o'clock or thereabouts, brought Kenneth for his last visit. Anne had been expecting him with an anxiety she was almost ashamed to own to herself. Yet her manner was so calm and collected that no one could have guessed the tumult of hope and fear, of wild grief at his leaving, of intense longing for any word, were it but a word, to prove that all was not on her side only. I could bear his being away for years, even, if he thought it must be, if I could but look forward, if I had the right to look forward to his return. But the evening passed on tranquilly, and to all appearance pleasantly, without a word or look more than might have been between real brother and sister. Kenneth talked kindly, tenderly even, of the past, repeated more than once the pleasure it had been to him to find again his old friend so little changed, so completely his old friend still. The boys came in to say good night. Goodbye. Alas, my lads, don't forget me quite, Hal and Charlie. And don't let your mother forget me either, eh? To which the little fellows replied solemnly, though hardly understanding why he patted their curly heads with a lingering hand this evening, or why Mamma looked grave at his words. And Anne bore it all without flinching, and smiled and talked a little more than usual, perhaps, though all the time her heart was bursting, and Kenneth wondered more than ever if, after all, she had much heart or feeling to speak about. You will be bringing back a wife with you, perhaps. Shall you tell her about your sister Anne, Kenneth? Major Graham looked at her earnestly for half an instant before he replied, but Anne's eyes were not turned towards him, and she did not see the look, and his words almost belied it. Certainly I shall tell her of you, that is to say, if she ever comes to exist. At present few things are less probable. Still... I am old enough now never to say, Fontaine, je ne boirai jamais de ton eau. But I may return to find you married again, Anne. You are still so young, and you are rather lonely. No, I shall never marry again, never. She looked him full in the face with a strange sparkle in her eyes, which almost frightened him. I beg your pardon. Though the momentary excitement faded as quickly as it had come, and Anne, murmuring some half-intelligible excuse, was again her quiet self. This momentary glimpse of a fierier nature beneath gave him food for reflection. Can Medway not have been what he seemed on the surface after all? What can make her so vindictive against matrimony? But it was growing late, and Kenneth still had some last preparations to make. He rose slowly and reluctantly from his chair. I must be going, I fear. Anne, too, had risen. They stood together on the hearthrug. Though the room was warm and the fire was burning brightly, a slight, a very slight shiver passed through her. Kenneth perceived it. You have caught cold, I fear. No, I don't think so. You will write to me now and then? Oh, certainly. Not very often, perhaps, but now and then. Stay, tell me exactly how to address my letters. Your name. Is your surname enough? 
There is no other Graham in your regiment? No, I suppose not. Yes, just my name in the regiment and Alagari, which will be our headquarters. You might, if you were very amiable, you might write to Galez. A letter overland would wait for me there. It was the days of the long sea voyage for all troops to India. Anne turned again to the fire. The moment at the table had restored her courage. We shall see. I must go. But he lingered still a moment. You must have caught cold, Anne, or else you are very tired. You are so white. From his height above her, though Anne herself was tall, he laid his hand on her shoulder gently, and as a brother might have done, and looked down at her pale face half inquiringly. A flush of color rose for an instant to her cheek.